Welcome to episode six of Unleashing the Champion Within. Today, we have a special guest in our studio. He's gonna share with us about his dreams, the ones he is living now, and the ones he has for the future. He's right here from this area, Tampa. He went to East Lake High School in Palm Harbor, played basketball there, and then he went on to Boston and played basketball at Endicott College. He's a successful head coach at Lado High, and by the way, he's my son. His name is Ross Stewart, so Ross, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad you're here too. So tell the listeners a little bit about how this passion for basketball began. Uh, well, I'd say uh, I'm lucky uh, in the fact that some of us, um, our passion comes easier than others, right? And I knew from day one that my passion was the sport of basketball and just athletics in general. Um, now, over the years, my passion has developed a little bit um, and has become more specific. Uh, but just generally speaking, um, basketball since day one has always been my passion. I've tried a million different things. Uh, I remember. Ton, <laughs> ton, <laughs> tons of things, whether it was uh, instruments or uh, football, I mean, football, like uh, other sports, all sorts of things. But, uh, you know, it always just came back to basketball. So um, there's just so many things that I like about the sport. You know, from day one, my favorite thing about it was that it's something that you could do on your own, right? You could go out. Uh, you didn't need anyone else. Uh, you can uh, spend hours by yourself. Yeah. Right. So as uh, just the general way to have fun or as a, uh, a stress reliever or a way to get rid of anxiety or a way just to block out everything else, um, basketball has always been a great outlet. For that so i think um you know from an early age just the fact that i could go out and i could do it whenever i wanted uh, and i could just be me just me the basketball i think you know that sparked the passion originally that's good you know i remember when we bought your first basketball hoop yeah i think you were maybe two and a half three years old it was a little fisher price and of course the little ball was tiny and you would stand out there and just throw the basketball in over and over again and we didn't realize what a good investment that was it wasn't just a toy apparently it was a career choice <laughs> that's good <laughs> for sure so let me just ask you something you know, you're in a position now as the head uh, basketball coach at Lado High that you really didn't plan for. Yeah, that's absolutely right. <laughs> so tell me how, you know, you came out of college, uh, went to work for your dad, and then just tell me the process you went through in discovering that that really, that job was a great job, but it wasn't really your passion and your long-term goal. Right. So it's, you know, it's, it's, a very long story, right? If I broke down everything, but just um, to kind of talk about it for a minute, it's it's funny because I never imagined myself being a coach. I never imagined myself being a teacher, which I am now and have been for the past three years. It was not something that um, I saw in my future at any point. Um, and I think that's mostly because I didn't have great role models as coaches. Um, there were a few coaches that I can think of, um, that, you know, I can remember little things that they said or little things that they did, but overall, um, I didn't have a lot of, you know, godly men in the coaching realm, yeah. right? So I, when I was a, a player, I, 
I don't want to say disliked. I feel like that was kind of that's kind of strong. But there there were things about my coaches that I that I didn't want myself to be, and so for that reason, I decided you know that coaching wasn't going to be my ultimate uh, wasn't going to be my ultimate goal. So, um, so when I went to school, I went to Endicott College and got my degree in sport management. And again, my goal wasn't to be, although sport administration was a part of it, um, my goal wasn't to be. Uh, some, you know, a coach or to be within an athletic department or to do anything like that. It was more uh, on the marketing side, athletic apparel, uh, sports teams, that sort of thing. So, um, so when I graduated, uh, I wanted, I didn't know what I wanted. I wanted something, (laughs) right? I didn't know, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what, one of the biggest things, and, and, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but one of the biggest things is I just didn't know really what I valued, right? I didn't know what was important to me. I didn't know um, kind of what made me tick. I had a good idea of the things that I like to do, um, but I didn't have a good sense of uh, uh, like a grounded value that when I wanted to wake up every morning, this is what I, this is the influence that I wanted to have. This is what I wanted to do. So I tried a bunch of stuff, right? So as soon as I got out of school, I um, halfway applied for my MBA to see if I could get into that. And that didn't really plan it, pan out. So I came home. Uh, when I came home, I immediately, you know, like you said, I immediately got a job with uh, my dad. And that was probably one of the best things that could happen to me because it gave me that stability right away to where I was able to work. And then I was able to also kind of like branch out and find out those other things that I might be interested in. So, um, you know, I went through that for about five years. Uh, I went through, um, working with him and, and actually being really good at my job. Um, but along the way I was applying for other things. I was looking into other things. I was searching. I was, I was probing at, you know, at one point I went to a, uh, a sales kind of, um, conference, uh, and it was a weekend sales conference for some major sports teams in the area. Uh, and they basically recruit you to be a ticket sales person, um, and I was really good at that. I got offers from the Tampa Bay Lightning. I got offers from the Orlando Magic to go there, but it just, it wasn't enough um, monetarily at the time. Um, so looking back on those five years before we go any further, it's funny how, you know, I must have filled out, you know, 50 or something applications to different places, right? Yeah. <laughs> different sports marketing places, different athletic apparel companies, Reebok, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. I must have filled out applications to all of them, um, to all of these major league sports teams, to all of this stuff and just nothing panned out. And at the time, you know, it, it looked bleak. Like at the time I'm thinking to myself, like, what is going on? How come none of these guys are, you know, taking me seriously? How come, uh, you know, I'm not getting interviews? Um, but that's the funny thing about timing is that at the time, you know, and that's the funny thing about God is that at the time it just, you're so laser focused, yeah, you know, on trying to get something that you want and you don't see that bigger picture. Um, which I, I, looking back is so funny to me. Yeah, that is great. And you know, what's interesting is when we get out of college, we've got our degrees, we've got all these things and we, we think, okay, this will be good, but then there's something inside of us that says, this is good, 
but it doesn't satisfy me. It doesn't fill the longing within me, that longing for importance, that longing to make a difference, that longing to feel like I've uh, achieved something and I'm really great at it because it's what I was made to do. And I, I think with uh, finding that basketball coaching job, and even that was just kind of a fluke, wasn't it? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, it's definitely a fluke. And I can't wait to – that's like one of my favorite things to talk about right now is is just knowing your value and knowing where you have influence and what your sphere is and where, uh, where you can just be this – amazing person that God has destined you to be. So I think that's, that's great. And again, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, um, as far as finding the coaching job, um, the story is sort of unbelievable, right? So, um, one day I'm just sitting in my office, uh, uh at my old job and it was a, a construction job, which I, again, I loved the people. I loved the, um, I, I, there's so many things that I loved about it, but at the end of the day, you know, it just didn't fulfill. It just yeah. wasn't, I didn't go home. You know, I could go home and look at my paycheck and say, okay, I'm doing a good job. Or I could go and talk to other salesmen and they could say, oh, you're doing a great job. But at the end of the day, I was, I wasn't fulfilled. I didn't feel like I was uh, influencing people in the right way. I didn't feel uh, connected to a lot of things. It just felt like a, a job is what it felt like. So um, one day I'm sitting at my desk and I get this kind of tug. I get this kind of feeling and I had never done this before. But, um, so I start searching, um, these jobs and I think it was out of, it was at a point where I was, you know, five years removed from college basketball. And the only experience that I had had in the sport since then was playing in, uh, men's leagues and, you know, playing recreationally every once in a while. And I really felt, um, because it was my passion, I really felt like I was missing it. Like yeah. there was something good. there that I was missing and I, it just felt like a piece of me wasn't there. It was something that I'd done for so long. So I got this tug, you know, and it said, uh, go search out these websites, right? There's, there's someone that's looking for someone like you, right? That's the feeling that I got in my head was there's somebody and they're looking for you. Go find it. So here I am sitting at my desk and uh, just at a little break in the day. And, you know, something is, is tugging at my heart telling me, you know, you got to search this out. There's somebody who needs yeah. you. There's somebody who, there's a place for you, right? There's a place for you. I'm going to find it for you or uh, I, I'm going to tell you where it is. Yeah. Right. That's um, good. So I started searching on the Florida High School Athletic Association website and they have what they call classifieds uh, for schools. And uh, I began scrolling through different uh, job opportunities. There were um, athletic director positions and there was... Uh, assistant coaches and head coaches and all these different positions for all these different sports. And I just happened upon one that said, uh, assistant coach needed a brand new head coach at the school called Lato High School, right? I'd never heard of it before. I had no idea where it is, but I searched it out and uh, Lato High School just geographically is about uh, a mile from my work. I can't believe that. That's, un that's unbelievable. So it's, it's, uh, it's funny how that happens. Uh, so I called the guy. Um, and I said, you know, I, I played college basketball and, um, you know, I'm really looking to get into basketball again. I've been away for about five years and I would be, uh, you know, I would love it if I could come in for an interview, um, and talk to you just for a little bit, pick your brain and, and, and see what's going on. So, uh, I did, I went in and talked to him like two days later 
And um, he called me back and he said, you know, uh, we got somebody else. You oh, know, no. We I have, didn't know that. This, oh, yeah. So this is new to you. So he said, um, we basically have somebody else. And I said, well, all right. I mean, if I could come in and if I could volunteer for any for any little bit or anything like that, then that would be great. I'd love to come in and, and volunteer. And he said, yeah, we'll be in touch. Um, so I waited, you know, two weeks or three weeks or something like that. And I was, again, I was searching the website a little bit, not really finding anything. And, uh, late one afternoon after I'd been, uh, uh, after I'd already got off work and I was home and everything, I got a call and it was the, it was the coach right now. This is three weeks later. And he said, um, you know, uh, we had another guy, um, and in the process of doing all of his paperwork and doing his background check, he didn't pass his background check. Oh yeah. That's would a you big still, deal. <laughs> yeah. And he said, would you still like the job? And I said, okay. And I, and I took it. So, um, that was my start to coaching. That was, um, next year will be my fifth year coaching. So that was about four years ago. Um, and I, so I was 26. Wow. Yeah. So that was the start. Um, and then from there, it just kind of skyrockets, right? It just kind of takes off. So I, so I get the job. It's an hour and it's, it's about a mile away. So the good thing about my old job, and if I would have had any other position in any other field, uh, this would never have worked. But it just so happened that I could get in early uh, at 6 o'clock or so, and I could get out at 3.30 in the afternoon, which allowed me to go to every single practice, which is, which is amazing how that happened because if I had a regular 9 to 5, I would have missed every single practice and it wouldn't have been feasible for me to do. Um, so one year goes by, uh, and I decide, you know, this is really what I want to do. You know, this is, this is my calling, you know, and it's, it, it wasn't that simple, right? I didn't just snap to one year later and this is my <laughs> calling. This is what I want to do. But, um, from there, uh, I was given, or I applied for a teaching job because I knew if I ever want to be a head coach, I've got to be a teacher because yeah. that's how it works. Um, you have to be on campus. You have to be able to be accountable for your kids as far as grades and all that stuff goes. So uh, I knew I would have to be a teacher. Uh, I had no qualifications in teaching, zero. Uh, I went and I interviewed for an open position uh, in exceptional student education, the ESE department, uh, and it had a science job tied to it. So I would be teaching uh, earth science, uh, physical science, biology, all that stuff. I had no qualifications. I had literally, literally nothing to back me up, no ground to stand on. And they said, okay, you can start, um, in the next year. So uh, I got that job. I mean, that is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So without any qualifications, the only thing that I had was a bachelor's degree. Um, and it wasn't related at all. So they said, you know, uh, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they throw you in a classroom and they expect you to thrive. And, and I think that was, uh, it was a really awesome experience for me. So, um, in my second year, I was the assistant coach and I was able to work on campus and assist the head coach um, in doing all of those things that the head coach has no time for, right? Setting up the gym, uh, holding kids accountable as far as grades go, monitoring study hall times and just uh, supporting him in any way that I could. And I, to be honest, I was just in love, right? It was my, it was my favorite thing to do. Um, and it's just so, it was so nice for me to no longer be, uh, you know, at a desk for eight hours a day, but to be able to, to get in and interact with students and interact with other teachers and administration and all that stuff. It was just such a godsend. It, I knew as soon as I, the first day, even though I was petrified to start teaching the first day that I was in there, I knew that it was what I wanted to do. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. So from there, um, 
and we'll just go up until where we are now. From there, uh, after my second year, um, at the very end of my second year of coaching, my the head coach resigned, which I never expected. I didn't see coming. He had only been a coach for two years, but something happened that caused him to resign. And um, uh, so they opened up the floor for a head coach. And they said, uh, you know, we're going to have to go through the interview process. We're going to call in as many people as we can. We want the best person for the job. Um, it turns out that only four people interviewed and I was the only one with the teaching certificate. Oh my goodness. So that pretty much paved the way yeah. for you. <laughs> so they, yeah. So, so every little step along this way has just been this miraculous, um, kind of adventure right from, from, uh, being 26 years old and, and just getting this random, uh, coaching position, which was so close to my job and having a job that made it accessible, made it possible for me to coach. Uh, and then getting a teaching job that had that I had no business getting ever. Um, and then my head coach resigning in the second year um, and then being put in charge in the second year uh, and, and being promoted to the head coach. It just, uh, it's just a crazy thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy um, how in the moment you don't see the picture at all, yeah. right? You, you don't see it. You don't uh, have any idea. And, and there's just this miraculous, bigger picture going on. Um, and it's just crazy. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, and it's funny because even though your dream was not set to be a basketball coach or a teacher, you know, you were kind of of that mindset that you love basketball. You just wanted to do something with basketball. And it's interesting how you have those opportune moments to move into a position that not only petrifies you, but you feel like you're not really qualified for, but then when you get there, you realize all the diligence and all the hard work has made you qualified. And yes, there was a learning curve in all of it, right? Sure. Absolutely. But, but with the diligence, the, uh, you know, the practice, the preparing for the class, your first class and studying. And, and I know you went to school, uh, the whole time you were teaching too, to uh, get the right certificates and all that kind of t stuff. And so even though you were in that position, you see that you were prepared, even though you might not have had all the knowledge that you needed. Right. I totally agree with that. Yeah. It's a, so it seems, it seems very easy. There was a lot of behind the, yeah. behind the scenes stuff, right? There was tons of classes that I had to take. There were tests that I had to take. And if I didn't pass them, I couldn't keep my teaching certificate. There were tons of, of little things and tons of little tests and tons of little um, obstacles and, and hills to go through and, and to go over and, and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's funny, you know, you don't realize the stuff that you do in the past yeah. does really build you up and prepare you for the things that are coming in the future. Yeah. Um, so that was a, a really good thing where I would run into an issue and I would say, man, I am glad that I took this class in college because if I didn't take this class, I would have no idea what I was doing right now. Or when it came to being the head coach, you're in charge of everything. You're in charge of, and one of the hardest things was, was raising money, was fundraising and doing all of that stuff. And, um, so it's amazing that, you know, something that I never planned for, you know, but I ended up taking classes in, uh, uh, sports sponsorship and, and sports finance and sports law and okay. all of these things and all of these little pieces that I was able to pull and go, Oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that. 
Um, so it's crazy how uh, for five years I didn't utilize my degree at all, really. I mean, just the con, just content-wise. Um, and then you know, five years later, here I am, and I'm still pulling these things from you know 2007, 2008, 2009, and using them. Uh, and I'm going, wow, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And didn't you actually do some fundraising in college where you had to call the alumni and ask them for money? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they put me, well, for two years in college, I worked in the admissions department. So my job was basically to do whatever the admissions staff needed um, to reach whatever goal they were trying to reach. So if it was raising money, I was on the phones. If it was um, a uh, open house, I was dressed as the school mascot. If it was, <laughs> if I was doing, if it was to, to take kids on a guided tour, then I was taking kids on a guided tour. So, so all of those little preparation pieces, um, ultimately led to kind of filling out this puzzle and helping me to complete things and helping me to to thrive in ways that I would have failed if I wouldn't have done them before. Yeah, that makes sense. And so now, you know, it's been such a big shift from going from working with uh, contractors and, and vendors and all that different things to working in a school environment with teenagers. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, uh, you know, the biggest value add that you bring to all of that? Um, so one of the things that we, you know, haven't really talked about and one of the things that I rely on so much um, every single day that I go in is my relationship with God. And um, that was one thing that I, for a good amount of time, you know, through my, the latter years of my high school and through college and then the first couple of years that I was out of college, that was something that I really didn't value. Yeah. It was something that I was brought up with. It was something that uh, was instilled in me from an early age, but it was something that I didn't find value in because I didn't have my own identity in it. Yeah. Right. I good. wasn't. So I was um, at the same time that all, I was going through all of these transitional changes. I was also going through changes um, in my spiritual life. I was also going through changes um, uh, and I felt the tug wasn't only for me to change uh, career paths. The tug was also saying, you know, come back to me. Yeah, right. So good. ultimately all of this stuff is orchestrated by God. It's not, it wasn't anything that I just woke up one day and I was like, okay, I'm going to start going to basketball I'll do basketball again. And I'm going to, you know, start going back to church and all this stuff. So all of this stuff is just, and when we talk about a bigger plan, when we talk about this greater scheme that we can't see, uh, you know, ultimately that's a part of it. Right. And it, it was a part, a huge part of it for me. And they almost went hand in hand. It was like, it was like I was being equipped for the job that was, that I was going to step into. Yeah. Right. It was, so I, I don't, I'm not sure that I would have been able to have what I have now without the spirituality part, without the new relationship and that renewed and kind of revived relationship with God. Yeah. So, um, as it relates to what I bring to the table uh, in my day-to-day -day life, I just don't think that I would, I don't think that without that foundation, without that, um, without that strength, without that value system, that I would be able to thrive in a high school setting, right? I, I, th I think, and I think it's pretty easy to tell, um, 
I think my job would have been much more difficult. I think I would have found a, a lot less pleasure in it um, without that relationship with God and without thanking him every day for bringing me into my passion and, and without praying every day that I could be an influence to somebody or without um, arguing with him over and over about decisions to make <laughs> and what to do and how to face certain things. I think if it was left to my own devices, then I would have made the wrong choice many times. Yeah. Um, so as far as um, what I can bring or, or how my influence or how I influence those around me, I think that um, the one thing that I try to do is just look back to my past and say, okay, how was I treated as an athlete? Um, how was I treated as a student? And how can I change that? Or how can I mold that um, so that the students, because ultimately it's not about me, um, how can I mold that and change it so that the students feel valued? Mm -hmm. So they feel like there's something that they get out of going to school every day and that it's not just a chore for them to, to move on to the next place, but they really feel like they've taken some sort of, you know, intrinsic value out of being at school, out of being a part of the basketball team, out of being, uh, out of developing friendships and developing that teamwork and all that stuff. So I think the focus is, is first on God and saying, what do you want me to do? Where can I be the most help? Who can I be the most help to? And that's not always just students. That's could be a student. It could be a faculty member. Yeah. It could be uh, a member of the administration or janitorial staff. It doesn't matter, but wake up in the morning, say, who can I be an influence to? Who can I help? Where can I uh, show your love? And then just go from there. Yeah. Right. And then just, just play it out from there. And if you're true to that, if, if it's something that, again, we use the word, we've used the word value many, many times already, but if that's something that you value, if it's something that you find, um, if that has a special place in your heart, um, then I think you can be successful. And that's what I've tried to do. Hopefully that's what I, I don't, I don't know. I'll have to take like a, you know, uh, a survey. Ha They'll have to do a survey. Yeah, you'll have okay, to go Coach back. Ross. Yeah, how how does he do? Can you see um, a measurable difference in certain students as you've poured into them? I think you can, right? I th and I think that it's slow. Uh, you know, I think that it's. Um, and there's some kids that you don't reach. There's some kids that you really don't. But that's um, that's part of the bigger plan, right? The part of the, you know you read in the Bible that it doesn't, that you don't have to, uh, you don't have to harvest everything. It doesn't have, like, I don't, I have, so in a, in, in a, in a year, I'll see somewhere between 220 and 250 students, not including my basketball players. Wow. So those just, that's just class. Um, so I don't have to, you know, have a come to Jesus moment with every one of them. You know, I can't, I can't physically do it. I, it's not in my power to do it. And the good thing is that God says that we don't have to. Yeah. That's right. Good. So it's not something where I have to, you know, follow up on every single thing, but you know, the couple kids that you touch. Yeah. Right. There's one or two. And for me, obviously, you know, just being around the same kids in basketball so much, um, those have been the people that I've, that I've noticed the biggest change in, um, but all you have to do is just plant the seed. You know, all you have to do is just 
show them who you are. Um, and ultimately, uh, once they've got that seed, then there's no taking it out, right? There's no, you know, they don't forget. Those are things that you don't forget. Yeah, that's right? true. So all it takes is one thing said, one uh, time where somebody's hurting and you and you opt to help as opposed to ignore it. You know, it's just those little things um, that people don't forget, right? Yeah. And I don't have to be there at the end. You know, I don't have to watch them all get baptized. I don't have to, you know, watch them all come to the altar. I don't have to watch all of that stuff. But if I can be an encouraging word, then then that's a change in somebody's heart. If I can, you know, stop somebody in the hallway and figure out what's wrong with them as opposed to just letting them go, then that's, that's a change that you want to see. And um, so... I hope that just by living that life that there's that there's people ch- that there's tons of people changed that I don't even know about. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably true because people, you know, they'll say, oh, that was really nice. And, and you may they may not even be a student of yours. They just may be an, an outside observer that you happen to say something encouraging to and something, you know, something that. Uh, help them move past where they were and struggle and whatever it is. And I, that's really good. And, you know, with that many students, how many basketball players do you have in a season? About 30. Okay, so you have 30 basketball season, students. You have 250, something like that, normal students. And I know you have basketball practice every day, games three or four times a week. How do you stay grounded in such a busy job that you have discipline (laughs) discipline and um uh i'm forgetting the word for it now time management yeah time management well did did i would definitely say discipline right so um it's very easy to get wrapped up in everything that's going on around you it's very easy to get pulled in a thousand different ways. Um, so again, I think it comes down to what you value, right? And um, you find out what you value and then you put those things first. Yeah, that's good. That's right? good advice. So if I value um, time with God, if I value uh, making sure that I'm prepared before the day starts, if I value uh, making sure that I'm healthy, if I value those things, then you'll always, if I value at least even in the busiest times, uh, spending some sort of time with people that I care about, right? If I value those things, and I know that there are extended periods of time where it gets hectic when you have three games a, a week for four months in a row, you know, that stuff gets hectic. But if you value those things, then ultimately you'll find them, you'll find a way to get them done and you'll find a way to put those things first and you'll find a natural hierarchy um, just in your day-to-day tasks where you say, this is the most important. This is second most important. This is third. And for me, it's been every single day. You wait, no matter how late you were up the night before, whether you got in on the bus from a long away, uh, you know, road trip or whatever it was at 11 o'clock, you wake up at the same time every day. So routine, you wake up at the same time and you read and you pray. And then you, uh, and another thing that I value is that I'm healthy. So you work out or you do some sort of something and you make sure that you eat and you do all these things that seem routine and they may get boring or they may, um, you know, they may be hard to do. Yeah. Um, and sometimes your will is saying, 
you know, you battle with your will and you're going, do I really have to, to, you know, my alarm (laughs) clock is going off at five. I didn't get to bed until one because I'm up, you know, studying for the next game. We might have two, two games, two nights in a row, but as long as you're saying yes to the things that you value, then it's easier to stay grounded. If you're, if you don't have that core value system, if you don't, if you don't know what you value, then you're in trouble. Yeah. Cause then you're all over the place yeah, because then everything that everybody, everything that everybody asks you, you say yes, because you don't know if it's important or not, or you don't want to let people down and you don't want to uh, be that guy, right? You don't want to be a bad guy. Um, <laughs> but if you know what you value, if you can put down on paper, these are the things that are important to me. And these are the things that I'm going to devote my life to then everything falls into place. Yeah, that's what I think too. When you've found kind of your core, it's really your core, mm-hmm. then everything else centers around your core. And, you know, for us, my, our core is Jesus and our family and, uh, you know, just uh, living a life that betrays um, loving other people. And, and encouraging other people and, and being successful at what we do in our careers and our different jobs. And I, I think that is so important is, is knowing your core, knowing what's important to you. Okay, let's, I've got a couple more questions before we wrap up. First of all, I want to know, where do you see yourself in 10 years? With a family. <laughs> so, so it's really okay. So, um, there's a couple ways to attack this question and I've, it's actually one that I've been thinking about a lot and actually one I've had conversations with people about a lot recently, which, um, is a good thing. It's prepared me for it a little bit, but, um, so again, there's a couple, couple ways to go first is personally, uh, personally, I, I, re- I, a family is in my future, right? And I don't know what that means, but I just feel this, um, kind of stirring about it. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I think about often. So I know that it's, um, and again, I know that it's in God's timing, but I feel like it's something that is, um, it's some, I know that it's something that it's, that's stirring in my heart and that, and when you are getting ready to enter a certain season or when you're getting ready to, uh, go on to the next thing, it's, it's a feeling, right? It's, it's not something that you just jump into. It's something that you, no. So, um, a family and, 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 and that sort of thing is something that I'm really, um, I'm hoping for, uh, I'm praying for. Um, it's not something that I take lightly at all, but it's something that I see in my next, obviously in the next 10 years before I'm 40, I'd like to <laughs> have some semblance of a family. And that's something that because of the family that I was raised in, it's something that's always been important to me, right? Because family, I mean, for me, and we've talked about the hierarchy of things that you that you value and it's always been God and it's always been right after that has been family. Yeah. Right. So, and I think that's one of the reasons that, that Katie, my sister and, and all of us, I think it's one of the reasons that we've stayed close and that we haven't really ventured and and moved too far away for any extended periods of time is I think we just value each other so much that it really means a lot for us to be around each other. So, um, yeah, you'd hate to see your mother cry if you moved away. (laughs) So that is something that I've been, I've had kind of a sense for, and I've had a kind of a longing for. So I'm, I'm in that respect, you know, I'm excited for whatever that road brings me professionally. Um, I really like where I'm at, you know, I, and, and one thing that I've found is that you'll never, you don't know what the bigger picture is. You don't know what it is until it happens to you, right? I didn't know that I was supposed to be coaching until it happened to me. So um, for me, it's being grounded in where I'm at right now and really enjoying every moment of where I am right now. 
That's good. Um, now, do I see greater things on the horizon? Obviously, right? There's, uh, there are there are paths that I would like to explore. There are things that, you know, we I know we talked about this before we started recording, but um, maybe going back to school and getting my master's in educational leadership so I can, so I can um, pursue one of two routes, either college coaching, because most college coaches need uh, some sort of master's degree or um, some sort of uh, further higher education field, whether it be an assistant athletic director or an athletic director or um, an assistant principal at a school or something, um, then I think those are all routes that that are will be, will be really interesting to pursue. Yeah. Um, but for now, uh, I want to win a few games. For now. <laughs> so in the next 10 years, do I see myself coaching Lato High School basketball? I mean, it's a possibility that I'm still there, but I have these greater urges, these greater feelings, these greater um, uh, wants for my life. Um, uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's really anybody's call, but family more than anything. Uh, yeah, I, I just want to stay, your number one. I want to stay grounded in family and I want to be able to pour into the people around me in any situation that I'm at. So if I can support the people around me, if I can uh, give hope or joy or love or whatever it is to the people around me, if I can show them that, that I'm a Christian, if I can, um, it doesn't matter where you're at. That's the, that's a great, that's the greatest thing about um, doing what God has called us to do is that it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, uh, uh, working at a, at the DMV or it doesn't matter if you're, you know, whatever, whatever, a basketball, an, coach. A, a basketball coach or an <laughs> artist or a, a, a musician or whatever it is. Um, whatever you think, whatever your sphere is, um, then that's where he's put you. And, and, and that's the greatest thing. And that's one of the greatest joys about it is knowing that you can be used wherever you are. Yeah. So even if it doesn't feel like the final destination, that's great because he's using you right now where you are. That's and really good. When you move on, he'll use you right there where you are yeah. and you can't do anything else. You can't project 10 or 20 years out and say, well, he's only going to use me if I can be, you know, the president of a college. Yeah. That's the only way that he can use me because that's my ultimate destination. That's not true. Right. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere you are every day that you live every day. So, There's so that's that a, opportunity. So that's a beautiful thing. It really is. And it takes the pressure off of you too. So do you have any tips for our listeners? You yes. know, how to help them live their dream, how to, you know, maybe uh, feel that nudge from God, re-engage, whatever it is. What are your tips? I do. I do. I have, this is actually the only question that I physically wrote something down for. <laughs> so, so I have these prepped and they're in no particular order, but okay. I have five things. Um, and like I said, they're, they're kind of in order, but some of them can be kind of interdispersed. Um, so the first thing, and this is what I guess would be five steps to finding your passion or five steps to, uh, stepping into your calling or whatever it is, but, um, step one. And I think this is just so important and it was really important for me. Um, it was really important for me because I went along for a long time not knowing, uh, sorry. That's okay. Take your time. You've got the listeners on the edge of their seats now. <laughs> so this, yeah, it's something that took me a lot of time to figure out for a long time. I didn't know who I was. Right. So, and I think a lot of us struggle with that. Um, and it's such an easy thing to, 
to fall into what people say you are. Yeah. Okay, first one, first one is to know your value. Number one. And uh, this is one that I struggled a long time with. I struggled for a long time. And uh, what I have written down here is that God has destined you for a purpose. Yeah. Right? There is something, right? He doesn't leave anyone out. Right? There's no one that is exempt from his purpose. Right? So for me, that calling was to pour into students as a coach, right? To, to use my passion to influence others for the kingdom. That is my, that's my passion. That's my, that is my ultimate goal. But if you don't know your value, if you don't know that, that God is good and that he has destined you for something good and that there is, and there, if you don't know those two things, then you'll never feel that, you know, you'll never feel that real connection and real love to what you're doing, right? So um, number one is to know your value and that God has destined you for a purpose. Number two um, is to know what you value, yeah. right? So number one is to know that you're valued, to know that you're loved, to know that you are, that you have been blessed by God. And, and even if you don't feel it, you have to know that it's there. Number two is to know what you value. So what do you wake up and do every day? Or what do you wake up and you think about every day? A lot of people, um, they go and they do their nine to five or whatever it is. And then they come home and they do something, right? They have something that they love. And I think a, a, a lot of people are held back because they don't think that they can turn that into their life. Yeah. They think that at most it's just a hobby. At most it's just a skill that they have that they enjoy. At most it's just a recreational thing. But if you have enough passion for the thing that you're doing, um, then you can turn it into something that you can use for your life and it will support you. I agree. I agree totally. So I so number two is is know your value. Know, know what you value. So whatever that passion is, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's sports, whether it's cars, whether it's whatever, there's something that keeps you up at night. There's something that you dream about. There's something that you, uh, that you do every day that you love. Um, and, uh, go for go it, right? For it, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that would be, that would be number two. And number three is kind of interdispersed, uh, between all of the ones. So number three is pray. Um, number three, if you don't know your value, pray. If you don't know what you value, Pray, yeah. right so if you don't know what your passion is if you haven't uncovered that passion that's okay right ask god what it is he right? will he'll definitely show he'll you he'll tell you yeah right and you may think it's the weirdest thing or you may not some some people don't like i was lucky enough fortunate enough to know what i was passionate about early right but there are some people that do not discover what their passion is until they are 30 40 50 60 years old there are people that are in the peak of their game and they are at the end of or towards the end of their life right so um, sometimes God doesn't reveal those things to you, but if you pray about it, um, then God will reveal that to you. Yeah. It'll be uncovered. Um, so that was number three, but it could also be number one, yeah. right? It could be the first step. It could be the second step. <laughs> or it could um, be and it's really an essential dispersed. part of all the steps. Yeah. yeah. So, um, number three, uh, so I guess pray is number three, but could be number one through five. Uh, number four would be to ask others and to seek knowledge, 
So um, if you don't know exactly what it is you want to do, um, but you're, but you have an inkling, right? Um, then go figure it out, right? Ask people who are in that line of work. If you really like fashion, ask people that are involved with that. If you really like Good. politics, ask people that are involved with that. If you really like whatever it is, cars or music or what are, whatever, ask people that are involved. You would be really surprised at a lot of the weird careers there are within these greater segments, right? That you would never even know about unless you asked somebody or unless you uh, seek, uh, sought out some sort of knowledge. Yeah. Just begin exploring. Yeah. So ask people, explore, Google things. That's really helpful. Um, Maybe take a single class at a, at a college, just one, right? Don't commit to being and taking an entire bachelor's degree worth of something that you're not sure about, but maybe sit in on a class. Ask the instructor yeah, you if you can, can just sit it. in or something like that. So uh, number four would be to ask others and to seek knowledge. Um, and then lastly, um, step five would be to take the leap, right? To, uh, I, I have written down here, you only have one life to live, right? So let's just live at it. the end of it, right? You don't want any <laughs> regrets. You don't want to say, well, I wish I would have done that 10 years earlier yeah. because now finally I'm uncovering it. So if you feel strongly about it, if it's something that you feel that you can do, um, you know, ultimately, you know, no amount of money will make you happy if it's not your passion. Right. Right. You'll go home every day and you'll look at your paycheck and you'll say, well, I guess this is okay. I'm doing okay. This is something that will sustain me. But at the end of the day, you'll say, man, you know, there's no amount of money. Uh, I you hear it all the time. Like find something that you would do for free. Yeah. Right. Your passion is something that you would easily do for free every single day. Um, so find that thing, right? When I came out of my job, you know, I was making really good money doing what I was doing and my paycheck got cut pretty much in half. <laughs> right. So, so, but I had never been happier. That's right. Good. And so there's no amount of money that can replace the feeling of walking in your passion. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is so good. Thank you so much for being with us. I so appreciate you and just appreciate your honesty and and just putting it all out there. And, you know, the thing that I really take away from all this is uh, you just have to go after every day. If you don't go after every day, not only finding your passion, living in that passion, but releasing passion on other people, then your day is kind of wasted. So we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. And everybody, I I know you're going to love this. You're going to want to listen to it again. But I want you to remember something. You are the best investment you can make. And when you begin to invest in yourself, it begins to pay dividends, not only for you, but everyone around you. So go out and invest in you and have an awesome day.